This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream.
Well, welcome everyone to the show today. Uh, that was Sangster, which is spelled S-A-N-G-S-T-E-R, as in she was a Sangster, not a gangster, but a Sangster. Uh, a song called The Conversation. Uh, really cool, ethereal. That was nice, Logan. Thank you. Logan's always bringing nice, yummy stuff in. Uh, my husband just entered the studio with a glue gun. I don't know what that means, but it could be exciting for everyone involved here right now. I think he's going to be doing a little Martha Stewart craft making, maybe. I don't know. Uh, welcome, everyone. It's December 5th, and we are live and alive. Uh, we have made it all the way to December. I hope you folks had a grateful and gluttonous Thanksgiving, as it should be. You know, you get to eat a lot, but you also get to, you know, give a lot. That's why it's Thanksgiving. There's two things there, receiving and giving. Uh, so I hope you gave some thanks to some fine people out there in the, on the planet. And uh, yes, here we are. We're in December. We made it. We made it to the 12th month. Uh, I mean, you know, it's pretty much... Uh, a, a, a decent uh, accomplishment uh, for uh, the planet at this point. Uh, but uh, we did get some bad news today, as you all know. If you aren't uh, plugged into a cave somewhere, uh, Mr. Nelson Mandela died today, which I was um, eating lunch. I was at Houston's eating lunch and it came on and I had to put my sunglasses on because I got all teary-eyed because you don't want the bartender Houston's to see you cry because they don't get it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was one of those moments where it was like, wow, I think he was probably one of the most decent human beings on this planet. I'm, and uh, it, for him to be gone, it's, it's kind of scary. It's like, wow, there's that, like grandpa's no longer here to keep us in check or something. And I, I really, really hope that his legacy, uh, helps, uh, all of us. Uh, reconcile our differences. Boy, you know, if he can do it in South Africa, <laughs> we could really do it here in America. We really could. I mean, our differences are not as much as those were in South Africa in the late 80s. Uh, so, you know, there's hope. There is hope for the planet because we remember what he did and what um, de Klerk did and um, how they actually sat down and, and created a new nation without uh, everyone fucking killing each other, which we were all pretty sure was going to happen at the time. We thought, oh, dear, that's going to happen. And it didn't. And not that South Africa is perfect. I know they have a lot of issues and a lot of problems. Um, and I kind of fear for them right now, now that Mandela's gone. But maybe his memory and his legacy will help check some of the more um, extreme thinkers there. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, I just uh, wanted to take a moment and acknowledge his passing and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm already a little kind of just generally emotional. I was an emotional wreck last week. I'm glad he didn't have the show. I would have just cried the whole time. Uh, but yeah, everything was like, I was like, you know, it was one of those things where like, you know, potato chip commercials were getting me. I, I don't know what it was. I think I was just pretty hormonal and it's just that time of year too. It's that damn holiday thing. So, um, yeah, so this Nelson Mandela thing is like that too. And, uh, thank you, honey. Uh, Bob is now leaving the studio with the, uh, glue gun. He fixed the little cup holder on our, on our octagon discussion table here. 
aka the poker table. Um, you know, he's that way. He just comes in and does things like that and gets things done. He's a rock and roll fucking husband, people. I want you to know that. Uh, so yes. And, um, and I can finally share my big news. Finally, I can talk about my big news because, uh, it was officially talked about last week in the press. Uh, New York Times did a little thing about it. Um, I have a book deal. I am writing my memoir for St. Martin's Press. Uh, you could bowl me over with a feather. I swear to God, people, I am just still really, I mean, trying to like have my ego self figure out that how this fits in with my self image. And I've been wanting a, to write a book for years. Um, you know, we all I mean, a lot of us, us writers, we dream of it. That's what we that's what we dream of. We dream of a real publishing house um, giving us real money <laughs> to sit down and write words on a on a page. And uh, damn gab it, gab damn it. Uh, it's happening. And uh, it's very exciting. This all came about because of my New York trip. And it was started before that. But I think the New York doing my show in New York kind of sealed the deal when the editor who was interested in my story came to see my show. And, you know, you can't walk out of that show without wanting me to write a book. At least that's what I've been told. Uh, so yeah, it's really happening. So I just, I'm, I'm holding the space, not just for myself, but I want you to know that I'm holding this space here for every single person out there who lives in the shadow of whatever and has been wanting to express themselves to a wider audience and believes in themselves and their work and their art form, whether it's painting or music or writing, storytelling, whatever it is. Um, and it just has that thing inside of them that says, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, someone someday will recognize the value of it. So I hold that space for everyone. And I'm holding the space on this side, where someone has come to me and said, yes. Um, so it's, it's very exciting. The book is based on my solo show. And we'll, I'm, as, as of now has the same title, I'm sure it will, A Carlin Home Companion. <clears throat> and I've been working on the outline uh, for the last three or four weeks. Uh, which was okay and easy because I'd had a big outline already kind of worked out for the last five or six years. I've been very prepared for this moment. I just want you to know that preparation is a lot of part of it. Uh, but today was the first day that I sat down and actually started working on the piece and, um, and kind of have some chunks already done, but they're older and they were who I was five years ago when I wrote it or six years ago when I wrote it or three years ago or two years ago when I rewrote it. Um, so it's kind of weird because I read it and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. But it's not exactly where I'm at right now with it all. So some of this beginning stuff is rewriting. But today, December 5th, was the official first day where I started writing my book and – um Holy shit, you guys. There's like deadlines. Like I have to have it in by August 15th. So I have nine months to birth this baby. Um, it's, 
it's exciting and just completely fucking terrifying at the same time. I wake up, you know, it's like before it was like, oh, you know, you wake up and you do your work in the hope that something will happen. And, and now it's like there's people and they're looking over my shoulder and there's contracts and <sighs> gives me a little bit of a chest pain. Hopefully it's not a big chest pain, just a little one. Uh, but it's, uh, like I said, very exciting. Um, but I have a job. I have a job now. I'm a writer. It's what I'm doing. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. It's so great. So everyone out there, if you're out there writing and strumming and daubing and painting and sculpting, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it, people. Keep on doing it. Clarify your vision every day. Work on your craft. Put your ass out on the line. Do it for free. Stick it out there. Let people see it. Get exposed. Learn from your mentors. Learn from your enemies. Just keep at it. Um, yeah, it's all very amazing. So that's happening. Very excited about that. And uh, it looks like I also have um, a touring agent for my show who's going to help me take it out nationally next year. So all you lovely people who are always tweeting me, bring it here, bring it there, bring it here. God, I'm hoping, yes, we will finally be doing that. Oh, it's going to be obnoxious. You're going to be so sick of me by the 20, end of 2015 when my book comes out. You'll be like, oh, she's got a book. She's got a touring show. Will someone make this woman please just shut up? And I will probably agree with you by then. So anyway, <laughs> so I've got a little essay here. And then we have three really fun people calling in. We have Krobama, Darren Staley from Twitter. <clears throat> we have uh, Lee Camp, stand-up comedian and Moment of Clarity Man on YouTube. And then we have evil genius Troy Conrad of Setlist calling in. So we're going to have little chats today with them. But I wrote a little something today about writing, writing the book. Um, and I didn't type it out. And I didn't edit it because I had to get to like writing the book part. So I wrote the essay, but I didn't rewrite the essay and type it out like I normally do. So it's going to be a little stumbly. But here it goes. I have no idea how to write a book. Well, this book. And yet I do. But the part of me that does not know how, you know, it creates something. It's the good part. It's that part that creates space in me to forge ahead like an innocent explorer heading toward the West or even maybe like a pilgrim heading towards some sacred destination. I have a map. It's called an outline. I know the places that I will encounter along the way, but how I will feel or feed myself along the way is still a bit unknown. There's a plan. There's a map. Sure, there always is. It has this thick blue line on it, you know, and you can tell how many miles are between the that dot and the next one. And, and then there's all those signs along the way, signs that tell you where you're headed, you know, where this stretch of highway will deposit you later on in the evening. And then there's other signs to tell you that you're in familiar territory because the Church of McDonald's and or Taco Bell are just around the corner to feed your emptiness and warmth your need for sustenance. But the map and the signs, they will distract you from the dirt journey if you stick too closely to them. There's a magic being on the road, you know, some sort of a soothing or a, a connection of our animalness. It's like an ignition of ourselves that only miles of horizon can, can ignite. 
The line that separates the blue sky from the land, the earth, the natural rust or ecru or powder blue that sits in our field of vision for hours, recalibrating our ancient brains, reminding us we are denizens of a place, this place. Watching the sun rise behind and then follow us all day and then catch up and suppress us each day lets us back into a rhythm of things, reminds us there is something bigger than us that goes about its business regardless of our fanciful dreams. And so as I embark on this writing, this pilgrimage to some destination that on the page may say the end, I know that I will encounter more of myself than I have ever, ever done before. And that along the way, as I stop at each moment of my life, I will look at with the glow of a candle that is lighting my way. I will encounter it all with love and wonder and also an eye that has never been here before. I will see new things in the familiar and I will see ancient patterns in the now. I am a pilgrim on a humble journey to know myself, to encounter the sacredness of life and to be alive step by step as I head toward wholeness. Many have trod this pot path before, armed only with memory, map, and desire to find themselves. I know that by stitching together my life's events that I'm stitching together the places that have allowed the love to leak out. I know that I am healing a soul.
Welcome back, everyone. That was Andy Starr with, what was that called? Oh, the world will follow. (laughs) Right? The world will follow, people. We're going to follow Mandela, Wilson Wilson Mandela. I can't talk anymore. I'm crazy. I'm just typing these days. I'm just so busy typing. I'm type, 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 typing. You know what's weird? It's, uh, you know, it's one thing to kind of like do your own thing and kind of not have to, like have a deadline or something. And then it's a whole different thing when you're like every single day I need to sit down and mark out a large chunk of my day. I try to do two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon. Um, uh, so it means I have to say no to things now that I used to say yes to. So I'm kind of um, – and I'm total codependent person. So it's just, you know, it's a little like oh, I have to say no to people. Anyway, uh, so I'm waiting for my first guest, uh, Darren, uh, to call. He should be calling in any second now. And um, Darren's going to call because uh, I asked him – I don't know. It was about two or three months ago to um, – take over my dad's Twitter feed, which is at the George Carlin, because I just didn't do it very often and thought it deserved more attention. And uh, uh, Crobama, which is uh, Darren's name on Twitter, has been uh, just amazing on Twitter. Uh, He and I have been friends since like my first day on Twitter. And uh, so it's just been a really fun thing to have someone that I've actually never met in person yet. Uh, but we're really good friends. And to have him all the way across the country and doing this thing, um, very fun. And uh, it's, yeah, the whole, as you guys know, the whole Twitter thing is kind of crazy fun. And, uh, you know, some people think that we're crazy for doing this. And yet, you know, I mean, and we are. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt we are crazy. Uh, in fact, in writing this book, one of the things I realized that I have to do is just kind of step away a little bit from social media. So, and I do that in December anyway. And I recommend everyone who's listening to pick a week, like preferably, you know, not necessarily, but preferably the week between like Christmas and New Year's when not a lot's going on in the world anyway, and just unplug from it all. Unplug. Try to unplug from all the electronic devices if you can. I mean, let your email, just put it on vacation mode, let it go away. Turn off the TV if you can. I mean, yeah, maybe listen to some music or something, but try just a whole shift and empty all that stuff out from your psyche and your and your environment and see what happens. Uh, just curious, you know, in a curious way, just like see what happens and Yes, there'll be some separation anxiety the first few days. Trust me. I know. I know all about separation anxiety. <laughs> I lived on my first teacher's lap for two weeks when I was a little girl in kindergarten. I had horrible separation anxiety. That poor teacher. But uh, yeah, that was me. So I understand about separation anxiety. And I get separation anxiety from all all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know... It's kind of why it's hard to like quit doing anything that's a habit because you get the separation anxiety from the habit and uh, that uh, that's a challenge. You know, um, he's getting my, my, my voicemail. Why is he getting my voicemail? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. My Skype is not working. Oh, I probably have to go and switch something on. Oh, dear. Oh, voice message active. That's why. Oh, hello. Hi there. Um, you know what? We're going to play another song and I'm going to go and fix my Skype and then we will, uh, be back in a few minutes. 
goodbyes again. Farewell, all my far-flung friends. Toast the messes you cleaned up and the messes that you're in. When I'm lost and gone for good, a man will stand right where I stood. Raise a glass like we once would. I know how all this goes, how it's born and how it grows, how it crumbles when the days get slow and numbered, how it never quite is gone, how it creeps and steers me wrong. There are two days to the dawn, and both are true. Sorry about that little musical interlude there, but um, got my Skype working, I think. Uh, ended up having to call uh, Darren back. Hey, Darren, are you there? I am here. You see, this is why I stopped doing a podcast, Kelly. <laughs> is this it? <laughs> I just I can't take it anymore. <laughs> the technology is so, like, it's just, it's just so nerve-wracking. Yeah, and then you're, when something like this happens, you, you've got you, you got yourself prepared and you're ready to go, and then all of a sudden, ah, shit. Yep. Oh, no. Yep, exactly, exactly. But you know what? At least we're not trying to, like, dock the space shuttle or something like that. You know, it is just, after all, a podcast and Skype. That is true. <laughs> but in the moment, you do feel like, oh, shit, I'm going to miss the International Space Station and just keep going forever. Right, yeah, yeah. In, in, in your mind, it's a, the, the world is about to end because the microphone didn't work or the call didn't work. Oh no, people around the planet, Nelson Mandela has died because this didn't work. Yes, yes, we've caused the the death of one of the heroes of the 20th century. Oh, silly us. So how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, congratulations on the, uh, on the book deal. That's okay. big news. I know. I'm very excited and uh, breathing in, breathing out, as they say. Right, right. That's that's uh, one of Dylan's sayings that uh, got me through a lot of uh, 
podcast and other incidents. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Darren and I have a unique thing we share. Uh, we've both suffered from uh, major panic attack syndrome and agoraphobia. So uh, the breathing in, breathing out thing is uh, uh, pretty much a lifesaver and uh, a real basic uh, thing that you kind of forget to do when you're having a panic attack. Yeah, because your 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 brain, uh, the, the kind of the, the I don't know if it's the uh, the lizard brain part, but the part of your brain that can rationalize that you know what's happening, and you know that it's it's just a panic attack and you're not going to die and the world's not going to end. That kind of goes out the window. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here it is. I'm, this one, this one's it. This this is the real one. Yeah. I know the other one ended okay, <laughs> but no, this one's not. This one is going to kill me. Exactly. The last one, yeah. I knew, but this one, this this is it. This is the end. Yes. And I used to tell people, and God himself could come down and say to me, you're just having a panic attack. And I would say, fuck you. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you're a lot. And then, and then when it's over, you think, holy shit, God just came and talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was... And you know he was he was right. <laughs> Damn him or her or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was telling the audience uh, while you were calling in and getting my voicemail that um, uh, I asked you to do me a huge favor and run my father's Twitter feed for me, and you've been doing quite the amazing job. Uh, uh, I mean, it really, I love that there's like themes that go on every night and, and ones that are contradictory, but they're in the same kind of wheelhouse. And, uh, I just, I know you're having a lot of fun with it because I can, I can tell just by how like just kind of the whimsical nature of what you're choosing to tweet. Um, and, and wanted to know, like, what has it been f like for you? And, and is there anything, I mean, it's, you, you know, it's, you're kind of getting a little taste of, I think, maybe what it's like to, to be on the receiving end of, of certain things like that. And I wanted to know if, what your take was on all that. Yeah, it was, uh, number one, I, I was, I was honored that you asked me to do it. You know, I've, uh, of course, I love you to death and, and I was a fan of your father's too. But, uh, it, when I started, I was like, well, this, this is going to be pretty easy. You know, I'll just I'll go through the the specials or whatever, and I'll I'll get the things that can fit in 140 characters, and just you know, uh, you know, post the quotes. But you know, then when you go in and you actually start, you know, breaking down, it, it, you, when you start trying to cut a, you know cut things out of what he said, mm -hmm. it becomes very very difficult very quickly because very few things that your father did. Even though people have their one-liners, and there are good one-liners and things like that, it's, it's all kind of woven into this yeah, uh, tapestry. Yeah, a huge, yeah, huge context that he normally creates for it. Yeah, so I mean, I could come up with, you know, a thousand different things that George Carlin said and put it in as a quote, but it, it would make no sense. Because, what? what? I, what, what <laughs> right. That's just crazy. And you, you have to be really careful, I, I found, because I will tell you this, uh, well, your father's fans are great. They can also be a little bit unforgiving, and I don't blame them. They're very protective of his work, and if you if you tug on that string, if you, if you pull something out the wrong way, yeah, and it starts, you know, kind of screwing with the integrity of the whole, uh huh. They will they will let you know. No, you got that wrong, buddy. Yeah. No. It, it is amazing how protective they are of him. It's it's very sweet and endearing, and. And and also, I mean, I don't know if 
you've received any of this. And it could be also sometimes it feels a little misguided too, because you're like, well, maybe you've got the thing out of context, sir. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the weird. That's the that's the kind of I don't want to say weird, but that's kind of the the thing about it that that I was kind of you know ner- even though you know you kind of asked me to do it on Twitter and people know, uh, I was kind of nervous about talking about it because I kind of like the idea that people, even though they know, yeah, obviously you know it's not your not your dad doing it, <laughs> right. just to kind of suspend that disbelief for a little bit. Well, be like oh, you know just. You know, don't even think that there's some other person typing it. Just, you know, read the words and things like that. And, but, you know, the fans really do, though. And I do agree with what you just said, because sometimes I'm like, okay, look, buddy, I I don't say this to them on Twitter, but I know I got this right because I just watched the special. (laughs) I know the context. I just watched it 15 minutes ago. But but that that is the great thing, though, that that when when you put a quote in, that immediately in the fans, in their mind, they see the whole bit. Yeah, and they'll uh, finish out the next part. I mean, they don't just you know they'll they'll laugh at that line or retweet it or whatever. But you can tell that they really see just based on that one sentence, they see the entire structure of it. Yeah, and I think huge testament that to your dad that yeah. his fans are that engaged yeah that, that it is true it is very true and uh and it yeah i mean it i mean obviously he's my dad and so he's got an influence in my life and but i you know i don't have an encyclopedia encyclopedic understanding of my dad's material but but he does enter my day a lot just through his just routines and i so i know that that happens for other people too who are huge fans but i have to tell you it's really interesting what you were saying about like we know it's not him you know tweeting obviously and i know it's you tweeting but i have to say right. when i'm on twitter and you tweet something as him Sometimes I'll read it and I'll just say something like, oh, really, dad? Like, you know, like I have this reaction like he's talking to me because I'm not tweeting it. So he just kind of shows up on my feed, uh, you know, and we can all hear his voice and I can imagine his energy in the room with me or whatever. And so sometimes I just talk back to him like, oh, really? Oh, you think so, dad? Is that, is that so? (laughs) And that's what, that's what I, that's what I love so much about it. And, you know, as, I, I, as you said, you know, I, I kind of play around with it. And, and I th- you know, you get the question all the time, what would your dad think of Twitter? And, you know, you, you tend to say, well, I, you know, I can't speak for my dad, and but certainly I can. But that is one thing that, that I would think that he might have enjoyed about it. Uh, yeah. Would be not even the, 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 the fact of doing it, but to, to put something out there and then hit the connect button on Twitter and just watch the reactions to it. I, I that is so I so fascinating. I so agree. And and you know he only had these long forms to really express himself. Whether it was the books that came out every three or four years, or the HBO shows, which came out every eighteen to twenty four months. And um, so he didn't have this like daily way of being able to talk to an audience. And one thing he would do. Uh, which I found out about was he would call when Keith Oberman was on um, MSNBC, he would email Keith Oberman uh, at least once, twice, three times a week with his like kind of daily observations about something. He would kind of feed other people some ideas. He also did it with Imus um, and he'd call Imus's show a lot. But I think Twitter, like if he'd gotten over the the bullshit part of it and could just use it to express himself, I think he would have, 
Doug, you know, being able to you know, use his older material and, and kind of put it out there, but also have a place where he could make a comment, you know, <laughs> a Carlin, right. a Carlin comment to the world about some asshole in the news, you know, or something and, and to be able to have fun with that. And uh, because, you know, that way he doesn't have, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have fit in an HBO show anyway, or something. Right. And he is, and I know this mainly for, because I, I finally got around, uh, I don't know how I missed it for so long to reading last words. Mm. And, you can tell by that he, he truly was such a perfectionist. He really wanted to get everything, you know, right in, in, in his set, in his show. Yeah. And I think, you know, and he, he, he went on the road and he worked it and he worked it and he changed it and he worked it. But Twitter is, is such a great way, though, to do that, to, to put something out and then to come back and see how people are going to react to it. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe, but I would think he would say, oh, oh, it didn't work that way. Let's maybe when I go on uh, wherever I'm going next, I'll try it this way. Yeah. Just, you know, use those reactions that he gets in real time to kind of develop, develop more, you it, know, develop the jokes more. Yeah, it would have, it would have been a, a fascinating thing to have seen to really... Yeah, I mean, I know he would have fucking hated Facebook. He, he would have never done Facebook, and, and, but... And I'm, I'm, I'm sure he would have made fun. I'm, I'm sure... Yeah, I'm sure he would have made fun of it the whole time, even even if he did it. Yeah, I'm sure he would. He would. He would. He would tweet one day and then come back. These assholes on Twitter are stupid. Yeah, you know, and I, I could even see him, you know, you know, making the case of like uh, being able to excuse the whole thing and then saying, you know. But at least Twitter allows me to do my stuff, these short bits like this way or something like that. I could see him justifying it in some way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the, the contradictory stuff, you mentioned that earlier. That, that's, that's really – that's one of the things I love most too about doing it. You know, number one, watching the reactions, but especially the contradictory stuff because people, people will comment. And it's weird for me because, you know, I've – posted the quote and they're commenting back of course i don't comment back because that's not what the right feels about right but when the, but they will say you know that you just said this five minutes ago <laughs> and i always go back to that i always go back to that line I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in last words where he says uh at my age i'm allowed a little inconsistency <laughs> so anytime i start getting stuff back that says well wait a minute no you said this and now you're saying this I'll plug in that line, and, and people just get over instantly. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, that's right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for really. I have to tell you, thank you so much for doing that for me because it has opened up psychic space inside of me. I know Dad is being taken care of, and that he's getting to interact with his fans and still be alive in that way that strange way that celebrities get to be alive after they're dead and and I know that's important to his fans and I know he'd get a kick out of it just because I know his nature um so I just I want to thank you just publicly again for just for taking this on and doing such a great job and um and really just uh just being who you are I just I love and adore you and uh Everyone, you need to follow Crobama on Twitter. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. And, and before I let you go, I will I will tell you one uh, one quick uh, one quick story because I know you got two guests. Yes, fantastic. I, I'm thank God that I went first on this because <laughs> I'm going to follow Troy Conrad and Lee. Can't Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're cute. <laughs> but 
but uh but yeah there was there was one time when I saw it was really kind of seeping into my brain uh, you know some of your dad's stuff because I was watching watching the news and, and some building or something was on fire <laughs> and you know usually my reaction would be oh my god the building's on fire and my reaction that day for initially was oh my god the building's on fire <laughs> and I said, okay I need, I need to I need to stop watching George Carlin's special. You need to, to step away, step <laughs> away from the man, <laughs> the man who's excited about the disasters. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, well, thanks so much for having me, Kelly, and uh, and I, and I love you too. And uh, have, have a great show with the rest of the guys. And, and thank you again for letting me do it. I, I hope I'm I hope I'm doing you proud and doing him proud. You know you are, and uh, and thank you again. And see you later. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. So yes, that's my friend Darren from uh, Twitter. It, this is the amazing thing, you know, about Twitter. I mean, you know, I would have never met this person who's in North Carolina who when I met him uh, was agoraphobic, had not left the house in many years. And in the last, I think it's three and a half, four years since we've been hanging out, he's um, gotten his driver's license. He had a podcast for a while. He's now got a job where he drives to other cities to do some work. And it's just the coolest thing. He's writing and all sorts of things. Very funny too. Very, very sharp and funny on Twitter. Highly recommend. Big, big hashtag FF for him. So uh, I'm going to give uh, Mr. Lee Camp a call because I've decided, you know what? Fuck the Twitter. Oh, got it. Oh, no, don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Stop that. See, I'm already, I'm already fucking up because I'm just a spaz here. Hold on. I need to get to my um, pad where I can call somebody. Why, why is, I don't understand what's going on with my Twitter app. I mean, my my <laughs> Skype app here today. This thing's really bad. I don't know where my thing is. It's like I'm missing. Oh, there it is. Oh, there's the keypad. Oh, Jesus Christ, Kelly. It's, you know, I'm sure you people are fascinated by this out there. Oh, we don't need to do 917. Okay. Well, I'm not going to give you Lee Camp's phone number. Stop that. You can't make me do that. You kids are so cute out there. Okay. Here we go. And now we're calling. Oh my God. It's just like as if I was a marsupial and I'm learning how to hold a fork. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. One ringy dingy dingy, two ringy dingy dingy. Hello. Hey, Lee, it's Kelly. How you doing? Good. You're live on the air on Waking from the American Dream. I'm very excited. I'm very, I'm so excited you're, I'm speaking to you and, um, and even more excited that you're getting in an airplane and you're coming to this coast in within hours, I believe. I can't wait. Although I hate your city, I like the people. <laughs> oh, you're going to like the weather too, babe. <laughs> I bet I will. <laughs> you know what? You just haven't spent enough time in the city to get to really know it. You, you, I don't know where you spend your time or you're probably in a car <laughs> getting lost somewhere, but you need to let me take you around to a couple of spots that'll really, you know, war- get your heart warmed up for the city. I do. As long as you get, I feel like as long as you actually arrive places. Yes. <laughs> it's the getting to, it's the getting to and from places in Los Angeles. I get it. I get it. I get it. So you're coming out to Los Angeles and, um, which is great and fantastic. Um, and we miss you and we're so happy. And, but I wanted to catch up before we talk about that on, 
just all the kick-ass work you've been doing lately. I'm uh, Logan and I were sitting here earlier today uh, before setting up for the show, and Logan made a very astute observation. He said, you know, Lee has more moments of clarity than 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 I ever will. Like like Logan said, I can't remember the last moment of clarity I had like Lee does. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the key. If you name your project something grandiose, people think you're doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Like you have a moment of clarity and and I must say it is a lot of fucking clarity, Lee. I mean, you really, you really, you. I I, I I calculated it recently. I think it's over uh, seventeen hours of episodes that are now up. Wow, fucking a! That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I try, you know, try and stick with two a week, and uh, most weeks there's too much to choose from. Occasionally, I'll I'll be at a place where I'm like, Good God, what am I going to write about? But. uh most weeks, there's about 15 things that are uh, swirling down the toilet drain that I uh, I need to talk about, and I have to pick one of them. <laughs> and what's your process like? Uh, how long does it take you to write them? It can vary. Sometimes I'll write them on a subway ride in, in 40 minutes or something, uh, you know, and that's with distractions. That's that's even including the time I have to spend looking away from the homeless guy pissing next to me. <laughs> um, and then, and then other times it's, uh, you know, when it's really not, I'm not in the mood or whatever, it, it can be uh, tedious and take a couple of hours, you know? And then do you do a lot of rewriting or is, is that 40 minutes, uh, the initial just, you know, kind of rant and then a reshaping of it or how does that work? Yeah, some of them also take more reshaping. They're, you know, especially when, like, there's a very important point that takes a lot of kind of information to get to, like explaining something annoying, like Alec, um, you know, A-L-E-C, that horrible uh, greed monkey organization that uh, is destroying our country. But explaining something like that takes a lot of, like, boring points. So I have to kind of put down the boring points and then be like, all right, so how do I now make this something that people don't just pass out in their French onion soup watching? (laughs) And, and I have to say that is your gift. You do have a way of taking these complicated, you know, uh, involved cavernous issues and, laying them out in such a way that like, it's like, you know, suddenly you're at a tapas bar and it's like small plates. Oh, I can take a small bite of that and a small <laughs> bite of that. And I understand this now. <laughs> I am a, I am a tapas bar of horrible things going on in the world. I like it. You could put that on your business card. I, I'm, I'm okay uh, with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really do. No, I'm, I think the reason it's, I mean, I mean, thank you for the compliment. And I think the reason that these are the issues, that the issues are like that, is because, you know, I've said before that boring evil is the worst kind. It's mm. the most powerful kind, because no one's going to sit there. I mean, 99.9% of America is not going to sit there to fucking read through this stuff and, and figure out just why it's so evil. I mean, a good example, I just found this out today, is in the southern half of the Keystone Pipeline, the pipeline that everyone hates that, you know, is going to destroy our country and everything, they've renamed it the Gulf Coast Project, so that <laughs> no one is paying attention. They Essentially, the southern half is going through unabated wow. because they changed the name to something really lame and boring. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's such, it's such a, a great point. I remember 
uh, when I was at UCLA, a communications major, and we studied political communications. And this was uh, like 91, 92, 93. And we were studying why the Iran-Contra affair didn't get any traction in the country. Like why you know, Reagan hadn't been put in jail for this and, you know, and, and why people were getting off. And, and it was just what you explained. It was just too complicated for the American people to sit down. They'd actually have to sit down for 10 minutes to understand it. And, and therefore the networks didn't really know how to, to create a, a story around it that got any traction. There wasn't any big bully like Russia that they could just put a, you know, a demon face on and, and make it an easy fairy tale. And, um, and, right. and, and it's just part of human nature. We, we're, we, you know, we're easily, you know, it's, I, we're hardwired not to sit down and, and understand this stuff in some ways. And, and that makes, people like you and I very frustrated with humans. <laughs> yeah, and you know, so that's my goal is to is to take comedy and 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 make it so that it's not so boring. I mean, and it's not just a comedy, you know, I even spice up the moment of clarity videos with uh, you know, weird photographs. I think my last one I somehow mentioned how McDonald's is turning us all into sloths or something and then I show like a you know, five second video of a sloth crawling across the road, and it's, it's, you gotta have a lot of bells and whistles just to get people to listen to a little bit of truth. Yeah, yeah. And so my question is: Are you exhausted and burned out yet? I have my moments. Do you? I certainly have my moments. It's 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 an up and down process. I mean, I, I've never gotten burnt out to the point where I'm like I'm quitting this goddamn thing. But I uh, I have. I have days where I'm like, I just, I can't handle the news. I can't handle, I don't feel funny. I, so, but luckily I usually bounce back pretty quickly. It's a, it's a very, a very short roller coaster ride as opposed to three months where I live in a cabin in the woods and throw my beard out. Yeah. And, and do you have any restorative practices that you do? Do, do you unplug at different times of the year just to kind of fill the well back up and replenish? Um, I kick the cat and I masturbate. That, uh, in, 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 in that order, always? <laughs> um, I, I have, I certainly have some hobbies like, uh, you know, running and, and things like that. I, uh, and at the end of the day, I, I'm not good at watching like really stupid things. Like I can't turn on a sitcom really and, and sit through that, but I will watch some things that are less political documentaries about, more fun topics or whatever, and uh, to, to kind of uh, get my brain out of it. Good, good. Yeah, I, I've worked with a woman named Joanna Macy who works with political activists, and a lot of the work she does is helping people avoid burnout in that work because you know it is it is an uphill battle. It you know you are pushing a huge, huge rock up against the hard wiring of humanity and. Uh, so you have to you have to replenish yourself and 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 stick around for the long fight. You know that's it's it's hard to do because you think, oh, you know, if I get off if I get off the treadmill, then you know who's going to keep it going? But uh, we don't mm -hmm. we don't want you burning out. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things I try to remember. I mean, uh, one thing I just wrote down. I just read this quote was uh, pessimism of in intellect and optimism of will. So you, you do have to re to remember to keep some optimism and and also remember I think it's tough for activists to focus for long on the battles won because they seem so small and the 
in the scope of things. And if we win a battle, we immediately move on to the next thing. Um, but it's important to remember those. I mean, in the past couple of years alone, you have things like uh, the fact that we didn't bomb Syria, which, as yeah. far as I, I can tell, is the first time we've seen the war machine and the media machine uh, ramp up for a bombing that basically the people said no to at a high enough level that it, it stopped. And, yep. Um, so there are there are things, you know, and uh, and who, who was it that was up for uh, Fed chairman? Was it Paulson? Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to withdraw because people started uh, talking about every all the conniving, snaky <laughs> stuff he's been involved in, and uh, and uh, you know, so it's, it's these tiny battles that you don't think about for long, but they're really huge in the scope of things. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, and and people like Elizabeth Warren got elected. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. it's like you know, there are some interesting, a lot of interesting women being elected right now in in, in Congress and governors and stuff. It's it's it is it, it, we do have victories and. Wanted to know your own personal reaction to um, Nelson Mandela's uh, passing today. Oh, I think it's a loss of a you know the, it's a a massive void uh, for a great a great uh, fighter and activist and uh, yeah it's a it's a big loss but uh, I mean I guess he, he luckily he lived a long life and uh, I, I hope people will continue to step up to fill that void. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think his story is compelling enough that he will be someone that, you know, reverberates throughout the ages, you know. I mean, it's it's such an incredible compelling life that he led and uh there's it just feels like there's like been no one like that, you know, like he was one of our last people like that on the planet alive. <laughs> right, right. And then talk about not allowing yourself to get burned out. I mean, to keep your optimism through all those years in prison. Great point. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely a great point. And uh, yeah, believing in something, you know, bigger than ourselves. I mean, that's for me, that's what hope is about. I mean, there's there's a lot of great reasons to also kind of take the stance of fuck hope in the sense that like, you know, fuck the false hope that they feed us all day in McDonald's and Doritos commercials. But, you know, there is something, you know, you got to believe in some bigger, you know, turn of the universe towards justice. And, uh, and I think that is the what you were saying of the optimism of the will, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the arc of history is towards justice, but it is a it's a slow and hard one. It's a slow motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It's like it's like a sloth crawling across the road. <laughs> yes. You can just keep bringing that image back up a lot, you know, just keep reminding <laughs> us. It's okay, people. We're just sloths. Remember that. We're sloths here. But it's, you know, we do get to the other side eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what have you, have you been, um, you're coming out to LA to do a few shows. Have you been traveling? You've been traveling a lot, actually. Every time I go to New York, you're not there or you're busy or <laughs> you've been, you, you're doing the thing, man. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I have been running a lot, yeah, doing a lot of shows. I was in the middle of the tornadoes in Illinois, so that was good. And uh, I, I, uh, just, I did the Edinburgh Festival for the month of August uh, and yeah, I've been running around a lot, but uh, I'm excited about these L.A. shows because I, I haven't done a show in L.A. in like a year, and uh, 
um, sharing the stage with a great activist band, Rooftop Revolutionaries. They're going to do uh, an unplugged set, and we're going to do two nights together. So it's very cool. And, and Rick Overton is opening one of them. Oh, fantastic! Fantastic. Uh, that's I'm going to be I'm going to be in Hawaii while you're doing that. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, I oh, I know, but it's my father-in-law's 89th birthday, so they twisted my oh. arm and said you have to come to Hawaii for that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, enjoy your vacation. I will. I will. I'd, I'd like to tell you we're having going to have more fun in LA. But I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, we'll get to see each other anyway because I don't leave till next Thursday. Um, but want to know? So, what are the exact dates, and where are you going to be in LA and Santa Barbara? December seventh in Santa Barbara, Barbara, and thirteenth uh, and fourteenth in uh, LA at the Fake Gallery. Um, the 13th of Friday is almost sold out, uh, but there's plenty of tickets for the 14th, which we add it later. And, uh, yeah, it should be an amazing show. It's really cheap, 10 bucks, I think. And, uh, if you just go to leecamp.net slash schedule, uh, that's got all the info. Fantastic. And you'll have a blast in Santa Barbara. Kimmy D's producing great shows up there. I heard it's a great venue. Great. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have you'll have a great time, and the Fake Gallery is one of my favorite venues in town. Um, just a great. So everyone in LA, get out, get out, get out, get out. Go visit Lee's website, get your tickets for the Fake Gallery, and then you people in Santa Barbara, you know who you are—the ones who crave comedy because you're surrounded by a bunch of asshole fucking Republicans. Well, guess what? <laughs> a fine, fine young mind is coming your way to make you laugh and make you think. So. Lee, I'm so excited to see you. I will text you later and we will make plans to see each other's face in the actual flesh. And uh have that safe sounds great. And have safe travels and thanks for coming on and chatting with me. And I love your work and I'm so happier in the world and um because I'm exhausted most of the time and I can only watch American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. And, and uh, your your friendship is something I cherish very much. And thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, anytime, anytime. And I'll see you soon. Have a great night. Have a good weekend. Have a safe flight. Good night. Bye. The fabulous Lee Camp. Uh, if you don't know his work, please go Google Moment of Clarity Lee Camp. Uh, like he said, he's got over 17 hours of material now. He does these like... They're like two to five minute videos and they're also always on a subject matter and it's a rant straight to camera. But like you said, he's got images, but it's really, really amazing stuff. He explains crazy political stuff going on that you might not understand. He'll get you fired up about any issue. Uh, he's very, very lefty. So if that's not your cup of tea, you should go anyway and check him out because he'll make you laugh no matter what, even if you don't agree with him politically. But I have a feeling about 99% of you out there probably do. If you don't, I don't know what you're listening to. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, wonderful, Lee Camp. So excited to see him. I have, I've been to New York twice in the last few months and have not been able to run into him. He's been such a busy man. And um, Mr. Troy Conrad is going to be calling here. And I'm actually going to call him back right now because he's calling. So now if you don't know Troy... You hear me talk about Setlist all the time on this show. And Troy is the evil genius behind Setlist. And Troy will tell us all about it. Hey, Troy. Hey, how's it going? Hey there, Troy. Welcome. You're live on my show, Waking from the American Dream. I can't even talk anymore. I'm so excited. 
Ah, fantastic. I I'm know. Be with you. Yeah, I know. I don't think you've ever been on my show, have you? I have not. Oh, this is such a wrong thing. I'm so so glad we're fixing that right now. And yes, for a long time. I know, I know. And uh, I mean, we spend so much time in foreign countries and all sorts of other places together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we have on the on the set list adventure. On the set list adventure. Yeah, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because I I talk about the show all the time on this show because uh if there's comics on, I'm always asking them about it. Do you know about it? And some most of the comics on have been on and um so my my most of my listeners know about it, but I wanted to have you on because I wanted them to hear about just how it came to be and the development of it and 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 just what's happening with it now and all of that I mean, there's a ton of exciting stuff happening around it but but you know we people have just started calling you the evil genius Troy Conrad because of this concept that you came up with <laughs> and so i wanted to know how did how did this start for you uh well you know, and it, I have to say, it really is. I'm I'm so glad that you do talk about the show with the comics because it is uh, a really fun. Uh, it's a fun conversation to have to hear about the journey that they're having. Like, there's this there's this in the moment journey that they're experiencing, and then there's this like overall comedy journey that this is a part of. And it's it's just really really amazing to see how passionate people get about it. Um, but as far as how it started, um, you know, there are so many little variables along the way, but basically, um, I always enjoyed when I did stand up a lot, when I was that that was like my you know, my main thing that I did, I found that the the shows where I would improvise, like put myself in a serious hot water situation. Mm-hmm. Um just by myself. The shows where I did that were more fun for me and I think the audience, even if even if it wasn't perfect, it was real. Mm. And and so I did that at, at clubs for years and years and years. And I and then I started, you know, doing shows, solo shows around characters who improvised as most of what they did on stage. And I had so much fun doing it. And I also wondered why more people don't do that except for crowd work. Um, you know, comics will riff and they'll do crowd work, but what happens is the audience is going, yeah, but I'm sure they've had somebody say that before in the front row. And right. I'm sure they planned it out. And, you know, the fact is, most of the time they haven't planned that out. It's completely, they're just completely in the moment and trusting themselves, but the audience doesn't know that. Mm. So, so, with Setlist, we've got sort of an accountability system where everyone knows it's real because we are all seeing this for the first time and then seeing a comic address it. Right. So it's really, um, it's really easy to see that, oh yeah, this is, this is verifiably real. It's kind of like, you know, when you watch pro wrestling, uh, it's not easy to tell when there are real moments and not real moments. That's true. You know, there are real moments. Like, people really do get hurt in, in pro or, or fake, whatever you call it, pro or fake wrestling. <laughs> pro fake wrestling. People still get hurt, for, you know, for real. So, but when when you watch mixed martial arts, mm. you know, you watch the UFC, you know for sure that eh, nobody's making this up. Yeah. This, uh, no, no, 
<laughs> Nobody's uh, throwing this fight and, and running into the fist of someone else with their face. Uh, and, and so that's, and, and you know, if you look at how, that, how that's gone with the UFC, it's a great, I always see the parallel between the two because um, it, you're using, it's mixed martial arts. You're using every single tool in the toolbox, <laughs> everything that during your life and career that you've developed. You're bringing that to the the arena, yeah. And and you know it's there's a lot of chess and creativity that goes into those fights. It's not just a brawl, you know. It's not just people slugging each other like you you might see on boxing, which also takes a lot of skill. But it's not the same. There's just so much, so many directions things come at you, and that's set list. You know, you're getting you're kind of getting heckled from behind in a positive way. <laughs> and then, you know, it, 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 so it, true. that that screen behind the comic that pops up with a topic for them to improvise off of is, is kind of like a an antagonist and protagonist, you know? Yeah, that's... that's it's, a... it's, it's just really... I've, I've enjoyed every second of, of this of this crazy thing and then watching it now to culminate in this great you know, this series that people are getting really excited about in the UK. And, yeah, good. And uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, for all of our UK listeners and fans out there, uh, if you haven't heard yet, Setlist has premiered on Sky Atlantic. And how many episodes are, are there going to be, Troy? Uh, there's going to be 14 episodes. Wow. And uh, the next one is is this Monday. This Monday? Nope. Are you there? Troy? Uh-oh. I think we lost Troy. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's there's 14 episodes and they're British comics. And there's also some American comics because they came to America here and we shot a bunch of uh, stuff uh, in San Francisco and here in L.A. And um, Robin Williams, Mort Saul, Rob Delaney, Gilbert Gottfried, Maria Bamford. That's right. Troy, are you there? I'm here. Sorry. Oh, uh, I don't know what happened. It's okay. It's fine. I was just telling uh, the audience some of the, the guests of the American comics that I know about that are going to be on, uh, the ones that we taped here in L.A. <clears throat> and so there's 14 episodes. And what I love about the way um, – uh, you and I was there too to helping we shot these episodes was that not only do you show the comics doing set list which is this improvised stand up like you said with this 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 screen behind them that's their heckler which I love that it's a great image but then you also sit with them with the camera and deconstruct their experience a little bit and because part of the fun you know half of the fun of watching the comics do this is like you said, watching the journey they're on. And uh, and what are some of the reactions you get from comics after they've, like, I know there was some that did it for Sky Atlantic who had never done it before and went on TV and did it, which is just yeah. major fucking balls, major balls. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. You know, yeah, Gilbert Gottfried uh, said yeah, that was his first time doing it. He walked on the TV set and did the show for his first time, and there were a lot of others that did that. And um, the conversations were always fascinating, and I know you had a lot of these same conversations with the comics backstage, but the reason that it's it's different than, 
any other time of talking to a comic after a show because it's it's a completely unique experience that they just had that, that'll never be and never could be repeated. Mm. So, and in addition to that, uh, when you do set with uh, it, it, you're out of control. So it it automatically triggers everyone's inner control freak. <laughs> uh, and at the same time, as as your your brain is going, oh my god, what's happening? I'm out of control. You're also uh, experiencing the fight or flight syndrome. <laughs> and a lot of adrenaline. And so when you get off stage from that experience, there's a lot of there's a lot of adrenaline and blood flowing and you just want to talk about it and and uh you know it's, there's there's just always a lot of excitement around it and it's it, it's really fun to see to see that experience, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it it is like um it's like snorting an eight ball or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's like uh, it's like snorting an eight ball if you didn't know what was in it, and and told them that there there's some new drugs that we just discovered in a chemistry lab, and that's probably in there. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, you know, I I think the biggest, most fabulous, great testimony about this uh, format is. You know, seeing Robin Williams do it, and you know he he got a taste of it, and it, because it is like cocaine, he got a taste of it doing it once, and it was like suddenly. I mean, for him, he admitted that it was, you know, stand up had become this thing that he'd been doing for thirty years, and it, you know, in some ways, it become like a, a stale art form to him. And when he went up and did set list, it was as if he had done it for the first time in his life. And it was that same newness and excitement. Um, y- you know, it's like a first kiss or something like that. And and to see his enthusiasm and his just profound love of the art form, watching the other comics go up, you know, watching him watch other comics, it was such a joy to experience all of that. Yeah, I love watching the comics watching other comics. Yes. That's a fun. I mean, there's a lot of clips of that in the show. There's a lot of cuts where you see just a comic watching another comic. Um, because, you know, comics are very jaded, and, and after a certain amount of time, we've seen everything. And, you know, uh, once in a while, there's people that you go and you, you stand in the back of the room and you have to watch them. But even if it's someone you're excited about, uh, most comics don't always watch every comic, you know. But, yeah. but with uh, with this show, it's so invigorating to see what's happening. You kind of want to see, ooh, what what are they going to do? It, it again, it goes like it's like the UFC in that way. Mixed martial arts. You're watching not just to see the result of the fight. You're watching to see how they fight. Yes. Yeah. You're watching to see, do they, is their background in wrestling going to help in this situation? <laughs> or is their background in karate going to really take advantage of this particular thing that was thrown at them? You know, yeah. you're, you're just really watching this comprehensive package of everything within the DNA just spilling out trying to solve problems. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And, and it, you know, when you watch, um, you know, if you know a comic, and you kind of know their style, and you watch them get up there to do it. And you know, it's going well, when you almost can, you almost say to yourself, 
wow, it's just like watching Dana Gould do his normal Dana Gould thing, but he's talking about um, a, a pumpkin, a, a Nazi pumpkin or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably, that topic's probably been used, by the way. Yeah. I think it probably has. I just, by, by the way, I just went to, you know, we do this, we do an open mic version of, uh, of set list at, uh, Flappers in Burbank and, uh, it's a comedy club here. And we, I, I just went out and cleaned out lists that have been there. Like we have them on a, on big, big giant paper poster board lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just went and cleaned out like 25 pounds of old lists. And I joked that just that 20 of those 25 pounds was just Nazis and AIDS. <laughs> It, it is a familiar theme that does pop up because it seems to like, it seems to be a good anchor for something. There's like an extremity to it that kind of set list invites, you know, that if you add that extremity, it kind of makes the brain go in a certain direction or something. Yeah. As, as, uh, as Paul Provenza, my partner in crime, along, along with Barbara Roman, uh, you know, as Paul always says, like the important thing is getting everyone out of their comfort zone. And if you have to do that through, being really, you know, being a little shocking mm. or just being like having a topic that uh, maybe they don't want to talk about um, <laughs> or just something completely absurd, something that doesn't make sense. There's always, there's, there's so many ways to get to that. And uh, sometimes like ridiculous things, like <laughs> not these uh, they, they come up. They are used uh, shamelessly, uh, and and it it, it 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 almost always turns out to be a really hilariously fun original thing when you know when they wrestle with that with these those kinds of topics. It's just it's it's just an exciting you know cage match, and and when when Paul Provenza designed this this awesome set, which if, if people can see pictures of it on on the website on setlistshow.com. And and if you're in the UK, you, you'll you'll just see this on the series. But this it, it's it's like a gladiator arena. It's in the round. It is stage round, and everyone is filled in on um, on all the sides. And it's just uh, it really makes you feel like you are in the game because <laughs> you are. And, and really, the audience is is so close that they feel a part of it, and they're seeing every little facial muscle. Mm-hmm while this person's thinking of what the hell am I going to do with this? <laughs> well, and, and there's a lot of fun in that. Yeah. And, and, and you bring up the audience and that's one thing that uh, the comics have a really interesting experience of uh, because, you know, there's, there are comics, you know, like the big names are used to going into a theater and having the audience automatically on their side. Most road comics are going into clubs and have to convince the audience to be on their side, you know, unless they've got a following. But the thing that I love about this for the comics is that a set list audience, and especially one that really understands the format, but even brand new audiences, because you take them through the format and you have them try it out themselves, they are automatically on the comics side. They are rooting for you know, T.J. Miller to be able to integrate Barbie doll masturbation or something into a joke or whatever it is. And and, we, and yeah. we're rooting for them to get there. And even if, like you said, even if they don't get there, it's okay because they, they gave it the old college try. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, everyone doing the show has to come face to face 
with their own feelings of how can I can I deal with imperfection? Because mm. everybody on some level, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume this. Uh, everybody on some level has some perfectionism. Um, I mean, I get that way about a bunch of stuff. I'm I'm not a perfectionist about a bunch of other stuff. But right. you know, when you stand up and there's an audience watching you, you do <laughs> want it to be perfect. Yes. And, and now you've made this sort of this this agreement that hey, everybody, we're gonna ju- we're just gonna go falls out with this, and who knows if it's going to be perfect, but one thing for sure, it's going to be real. No one's going to get up there and do their act that they did at the improv last week. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you know, it'd be so interesting to do like a personality test with the comics to see like which ones of them kind of deal with the format a little better than the other ones. I mean, I know part of it, just in learning my own bits of hours that I'm getting as a performer on stage with my show, just, you know, the the, the art, not even the art, but just the craft of learning how to breathe and think on stage through that adrenaline rush, you know, that comes with just time. And then, like you said, you set up this kind of artificial experience to like re-trigger all of that stuff for them. And it would just be fascinating from like a psychological or sociological point of view to study, you know, which ones of them, you know, what kind of personality works through that better than other ones or something like that. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that is fascinating. It's kind of like, I mean, the, the show itself is almost like a psychological test. I've always, yes. I've always said that it's, the show is kind of like a, a comedic inkblot, Rorschach inkblot test. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you're just you're just not using inkblot images. You're using words right. that, are, that are meaningless, and then you decide what that shape is, what that thing is. And uh, you know, I've I've always felt like that if we if we could get every comic to do this, we would discover the comedy genome. Yes, like it's kind of like a comedy genome project because you can see how how people's skill sets and how they deal with certain things and. And then there's there's people who just nothing throws them, and it's just. And then I try to find something that <laughs> ah, what's going to challenge them? Where like you know what's gonna you know what's what's gonna throw off T.J. Miller or Greg Proops or yeah. Overton and all the other amazing people? You know, yeah. like just what? How how can we challenge Robin Williams with a new <laughs> something that's just crazy out of left field? And, and Paul and I just will sometimes just laugh like like schoolgirls just falling on the floor over just the thought of certain challenges that we, we put together on lists. Uh-huh. Go, oh, I can't wait to see who's going to have that and what's going to happen. And, <laughs> you know, and, and you can't even predict what's going to happen. Like, you, you might go, oh, well, if so-and-so gets this, then they might do this. Like, rarely have we been right, but, man, do we have a lot of fun, you know, guessing what people <laughs> might do. Well, yeah. And speaking of making the list, I think, you know, one of the most fun times I've ever had was when you and Bob and I drove up to San Francisco. And I think the majority of our ride, all we did was make set list topics. It was so much fun. Oh, oh my God. It was so much fun. It was just like this like mental playground of just coming up with these silly abstract ideas. And it was just, and, and, and the fun of it is, there, you know, there's the fun of the of the idea, the phrase, or the thing they come up with, and then there's the fun of just imagining some comic getting that. Oh yeah, 
and having to deal with it. And, and then watching good. them get it when you choose one of ours and it's up on the list that night and you're like, oh my God, that's one of mine. And then it, then they watch it and you watch where the comic goes with it and you're like, wow, I would have never done it that way. That's so amazing. Oh, uh, yeah. It's so, it's so fun to see that. Like, cause, cause your mind goes, I wonder if they'll take it this direction. And then it, it, you don't realize. Oh, they had the three D map, and now they're they're burrowing to China yeah. instead of going across and taking fountain. Exactly. You know? Yes. Yes. And 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 it it really uh it really shows how beautifully unique each of these little brains of ours are, you know, and and how how wonderful that is. Like, thank God we're not all the same. Thank God we don't all approach things in the same way. And uh, you know, it's, it's such a, it's, it's such a magnificent thing. So not only is it on Sky Atlantic right now, but it's also, it's still on the Nerdist channel, right? Yes, we have our own series on the Nerdist channel. And right now that's, uh, on the website, we link to that, but you know, we have, I think we have about 40 episodes, uh, already, already out between 30 and 40 out and at least another 40 something to go. Wow. Uh, they come out every Friday. Fantastic. And, and that's just the ones that we've shot, and uh, I'm going to assume we'll probably end up doing doing more. You know, yep. shout to Chris Hardwick who who um, took a chance and put us on the Nerdist channel. It, it turned out to be a really wonderful partnership, and, and so yeah, people can watch it there, and and um, you know, and hopefully we'll have uh, some other countries that because uh, there seems to be quite a demand for it. people are writing, going, hey. When the hell are we going to get this in our country? You uh, know, right now it's it's just cool. in the UK, and they're they're um, playing it, replay, doing replays in Australia. Right, and uh, so hopefully it'll be on the uh, on the TV in the US soon. And then I also know that you that down at the Comedy Cellar in New York, you guys are doing a live show now, right? We're yeah, we're doing um, starting at the end of the year, uh, the end of this year, we're doing every Thursday at the Comedy Store at the Village Underground. And then we're moving to Wednesdays. It's going to be a re- set list will be a regular weekly thing in New York City at the Comedy Cellar. Oh, we're fantastic. really excited about that, that. That's fantastic. That's so exciting. I mean, that's that's a wonderful vote from the universe. And yep. when, when we went and did our first show there uh, a few weeks ago, and Jim Norton did the show, he said what a lot of comics say, and I didn't expect it from him. And he said, "Is you know what." I really thought I wasn't going to like this at all, but this was a treat. Oh, good. I love it. I love it. I thought that was great. Well, you know what? It just uh, brings such a smile to my face because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just love it when the good guys get a little, uh, you know, a little notch up there on the win column. So I'm just, I'm so happy for you, Troy, and just so excited that Thanks. Paul yeah. and Barbara and, and, and just was thrilled to work on it when I got to work on it uh, last year. I had a blast working with all of you guys, of course, always because yep. we're family. We got to be roommates in London. And, we and, did, uh, and we got to be roommates in London, which was yeah. amazing. <laughs> it, was a, it was a blast. And thank, and thank you for, you know, for your contribution of the show and for for all the stuff you've done for it and 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 also uh your your being there for me and for everybody throughout this it's been really incredible well my pleasure my pleasure it's you know it's family and it's uh it's a great family to be a part of so uh i'm just i'm thrilled for you and uh and so everyone Check it out. If you're in the UK, check out Sky Atlantic. If you're anywhere else on the planet, go to uh, the Nerdist channel and check out uh, Setlist. And uh, 
come down to Flappers in Burbank. Uh, Troy has an open mic. He also has a regular show here at the the Nerdist uh, where they tape. And uh, now they're going to New York City and doing it at the, at the Comedy Cellar. So plenty of chances to go experience some amazing improvised stand-up comedy. And Troy, I'll talk to you later. And you have a beautiful weekend. All right. Thanks so much, Kelly. You're welcome. All right. That was a fun show. We've never really done that before. Had a couple of friends call in and uh, have some quick little chats. But uh, what a great group of people. You know what? I'm just, my heart is just big and happy right now. It's like family. Family called in today. Gosh, darn it. That's how I'm going to start swearing now for now on. I'm not going to say motherfucker anymore. I'm just going to go, gosh, darn it. I love that. I love the Midwest. My mom used to have those funny little sayings too. Uh, so a um, couple of things uh, going on. Next week, I have my 100th show. I was thinking, oh, we're going to do something big and special. and ha-, But you know what? I'm just going to do a 100th show. But I'm really excited about the person who's coming on my 100th show because in some weird way, it is a little full circle for me. His name is Phil Quasino. You don't know who this guy is, but he's an author. Uh, he's written a ton of books. But one of the things that he did early, early on in his career is he did an interview book with Joseph Campbell. And Joseph Campbell was his mentor. And so I feel like being with Phil is like kind of being in the presence of of Joseph Campbell. And Joseph Campbell is someone who completely started me on the track of looking deep within me and looking at the world through story and mythology and comparative religion to understand the truth and wisdom of of what humans have created. So I'm very excited to have Phil uh, on the show next week. He's written like 10,000 books, basically. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit about the creative process next week. He's got a great book about that. Uh, called The Creative Spark or something like that. He sent me a shitload of stuff. He's like, oh, and then the other cool thing that Phil did is he hooked me up with The Dude. I'm talking not Jeff Bridges. I'm talking the real The Dude, like the guy, The Dude, that The Big Lebowski was based on. The Dude does abide and he will be abiding on this show next year because he and I have emailed each other and talked to each other and he's a totally cool guy. Of course he is. He's the dude. So Phil's very cool. So that's going to be my 100th show and that will not be the last show of the year. We will do a um, an octog- octagon, octagon discussion table, I believe, on the 19th um, to round up the year, even though I think Logan's going to be gone by then. Are you going to be gone by the 19th? He leaves the 16th. So Logan will not be here for the last show of the year. But we will have a panel discussion with, you know, the usual suspects on the 19th. So that's going to round out the show uh, and and the year. And uh, so there's all that. And uh, just a couple of things, just so you know, right now going on live, and it's going to be going on for the next 24 hours, the fine people at the Young Turks channel, the Young Turks network, uh, Jank Youngar, Anna Kasparian, Dave Rubin, Jibby Dore, all those people, they are on live on their Google channel right now on the YouTube channel at the Young Turks. They are finishing up rounding up money to raise for their studio. This is an independent media at its finest. I love Jank. I love his point of view. 
I love his fresh perspectives. I love all the shows. I've been on many of the shows. I'm going to be on The Point next week. But if you feel like uh, going over there and checking out what they're doing, they're going to be going 24 hours live to raise the last bit amount of money for their new studio that they've just opened in Culver City. They don't have a big, a lot of corporate sponsors. They're, they're definitely membership supported. Support this independent media. It's very important. They've got an Indiegogo campaign going on, even if it's $5, or join for a membership, their yearly membership there. But I really recommend supporting these people because they've got a fresh perspective and uh, they do great work over there. And I was going to have them on the show today and we didn't have time. So I just wanted to mention that. They're good friends of this show. And if you're in a really generous mood, go and support this show. We've got a little PayPal button on my website at kellycarlin.com forward slash waking. Go push the PayPal button. Give us some bucks. It would help support the the show here, keep the electricity going, keeping gas in Logan's car, and and keeping the tea bags that we drink here. Uh, We drink a little tea before the show to get all jacked up. Um, And so that is that. Thank you, Logan, for being here today. Thanks for the great music, as usual. And uh, thank you all for listening, for being here. Um, thank you for being on my journey. And, uh, you know, I think about you guys all the time out there. And uh, we're rounding out the year, we're heading towards the end of it. But gosh, darn it. I'm going to keep saying that. Gosh, darn it. We're doing it. So you guys go out there, paint your paintings, sing your songs, write your soliloquies. Do people write soliloquies anymore? I don't know. They probably don't. They probably call them monologues. It's like the moth. Is the moth? Is, no, the moth is in a soliloquy. Anyway, uh, we're going to finish up here with a song. What are we finishing up with, Logan? Life the movie. Oh, Life the Movie. I love this song. All right, you guys, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye.
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. Hey, Kev, it's time to record a new Smodcast. Fuck off. I'm listening to one of the other great shows on the Smodcast Podcast Network, Scott. There's so many to choose from. You damn skippy, there's so many to choose from. I'm on five every week myself, man. Uh, Hollywood Babylon on Monday, Smodcast with you on Tuesday, Jane, Silent Bob, Get Old on Wednesday with Jay Muse, Fat Man on Batman every Thursday, and then I wrap up the week with Edumacation with Andy McElfrish. There's so many to choose from. Hell yeah, son, and those aren't the only podcasts. Those are just the ones I'm involved with. What about the podcasts of Smodco that don't feature me, man, like Tell em Steve Dave. Last Week on Earth with Ben Glebe. I Sell Comics with Ming and Mike. There's so many to choose from. Hey man, there's also Film School Fridays or NetHeads or Get Up On This, Team Jack. There's so many to choose from. The Breaks, man. Waking from the American Dream, Bagged and Boarded, Phoebe, Soundbite Nation. These are all the shows you could be listening to over at Smodcast.com, Scott. There's so many to choose from. And if audio's not enough for you, man, if you're just like, no, I want the thick dick of video as well, man, we can go to our YouTube channel, which is CSmod, or you can watch Comic Book Men, our show on AMC, following The Walking Dead and The Talking Dead every Sunday night there's so many to choose from that's right scott there are so many to choose from so get choosing kids go to smodcast.com start getting picky man stick these sweet sweet oral sounds into your ear pussies there's so many to choose from you said that already there's so many to choose from